Hey, friends. Greg Kokel here on Stand to Reason. And um, i sorry I wasn't with you live last week. We had an incredible weekend the weekend before last in Minneapolis. 3,800 students. And uh, that was our Minneapolis reality. And, you know, we pretty much maxed that church out because when you have almost 4,000 students and you have even 10 breakouts, which I don't even think we have 10 breakouts. That means you have to have rooms that hold at least 400 people each. And um, things were pretty stuffed in that church just for breakouts. So it was an unbelievable event. I'm not going to go on and on about that, but um, because we've talked about past ones and new ones coming up next year in uh, February, Dallas, in March, Philly, and in April, Augusta, Georgia. So we'll talk about that more in the future. But I um, uh, I also spent a week in, in ETS, Evangelical Theological and Philosophical Society, meeting conjointly last week in Denver. And it was great for all of our team to get together. And we hung out together and we went to paper papers together and talked with friends and had meals. And it was wonderful. It's one of the few times that we really get to relax together as a team and run ideas past each other and stuff. But anyway, uh, back in the saddle again here. And um, you need to know, by the way, before I introduce my guest, that I am not, um, I do not surf the web. I don't watch YouTube programs. Now, there are lots of great ones out there, and my people on our team here, they do all of that. I just, it's just not in my DNA. I'm just an old guy. So I I do occasionally watch things, but it generally either related to fishing or woodworking. And so I don't know how when I was looking at maybe one of those two things, I saw a podcast that Melissa Doherty had done, and Melissa has she is one of my favorite interviewers of me. So I've been on her show a number of times, and I don't think she's ever been on mine. So now she is. Melissa, is this your first time on my show? Yeah, this is kind of surreal because I'm sitting in the very shedio where I very regularly listen to your podcast. Like I'm sitting right oh, over no there kidding. painting or playing a video <laughs> game mindlessly listening to STR and all my uh-huh. podcasts. So it's kind of weird to be on this end of it. And yeah, uh-huh. this is the first time I've been on STR and it's a well, total honor. Yeah. Well, we have done a number of things together. I think the very mm-hmm. first time I was on, it was with you and Doreen. Yeah, it was Doreen a while ago. Virtual. Yeah. That was quite a while ago, and then I've been on on, on your particular um, um, show before your YouTube, yeah. um, which we'll talk a little bit about. But um, you are—I uh, really enjoy interacting with you. And yeah, me you too. Had it's a, fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a you had a, a piece that came up, um, and it was only nine minutes long. It popped up there, and I think the title line, or at least the the thing that grabbed me, is that. Uh, is the line that said, this is probably going to make you angry or something like that, right? That was yeah, a good grabber. This might make you okay. mad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so then when I opened the piece, uh, the title actually had to do with the number one thing that drove me into uh, false Christianity, and you have a history in the New Age. But before we get into that little mm-hmm. prolegomena there that sets up what you said, and what I heard there for nine minutes I thought was so good mm. that I wanted you to kind of review that for our own audience. All right. Um, however, I have another question, and that is, um, 
I love your attitude on your YouTubes. You're just so energetic, and it reminds me of, like, someone from New Jersey a little bit. You know, you're just right there, and, you know, you want a piece of me kind of thing. And I mean, <laughs> in the best sense of the word. So I, I'm curious, where are you from? I don't know that. Well, it's really funny that you say I'm in New Mexico. And uh, that's where you live now. Yeah. And it's actually like a really liberal state. But I have to say, like, there's something we call and I don't mean this in a new age way, but we call it the homey vibe where everybody out here is just, you know, oh, mijita, let me feed you some enchiladas, you know, and just like come come to my house, you know, and everybody just loves each other. And uh-huh. there's yeah, everybody's just friends with everybody else. And so there's it's part of the culture out here, which I really yeah. love. Um, but my dad um, on my dad's side, we're Greek, right? And so my Yaya came over from uh, Greece in New York. So she landed in Uh New York and my dad grew up in Brooklyn. So part of it. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you guys talk and especially Frank, I'm like, oh, you know. Yeah, it sounds like my dad. You know, there's a certain... Yeah. Uh, you, when you say yeah. Frank, you mean Frank Turek? Turek, yes. Frank Turek, yeah, friend. Yeah, New Jersey, just so people yeah. know. Uh, yeah, you want a piece of me, you know, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, forget about it, you forget. know, kind of thing. But but I, I, I actually think that that kind of uh, intensity that you have mm-hmm. in your own uh, YouTube presence is a lot of fun. You know, it's kind of my style. Thank I like you. that kind of thing. So, by the way, you're in New, you live in New Mexico now. You're yeah. not in Taos, are you? I'm not. No, I'm not in Taos. I've been to Taos, though. It's very. Uh, no, that's New Age. Yeah, like capital of the universe. Yes, almost, right? Taos and Santa Fe are very New uh, Age. And uh, me and my yeah. husband went there for a 10 year anniversary. And I'm like, why did you take me here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the apologists in me loved it, though, because I wanted to like strike up these conversations with people that I understood, you know. And uh-huh. I remember we went to this. Uh, what was it? Uh, a Ute and an Earthship homes that we stayed in. And the woman was a very new agey. And I got in this conversation uh-huh. with her. And it was really nice, you know, to, to interact with her. But everybody up there is just on some sort of spiritual pursuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the new age is very interactive up there. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really glad for the lane that you're in, because, you know, we all kind of has to, to use Jay Warner's language we have our our unicorn we have our lane and and we 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 each do different things for to the same end advancing the kingdom and there's so many weird things out there now it's good that we have lots of people addressing these things from a position of experience and knowledge and that's where you come from with regards to the youtube uh, i'm sorry with regards to the uh the new age in fact on your program is it just called melissa doherty is that or do you have some other name no, no. other handle it's your my name, name. Okay. i never actually set out to do something with youtube so i didn't think of anything wittier than just my name uh, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well it works it works yeah, but you thanks. have you have uh, almost 200,000 subscribers from what I could tell, and you had almost that many, uh, let's see, 157,000 views of the particular mm-hmm. w- one that I watched that impressed me, impressed me in the sense that you are dealing with material that I think the church needs to hear, mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, so before we get into that, tell us a little bit, just lay a predicate here in terms of your background, New Age, etc., so people have an understanding, more of an understanding of what uh, you were addressing in this shorter piece that I had seen a couple of weeks ago. Sure. Yeah, there's a, I'll give you the short version. Uh, basically, I was saved at 16. And there's no doubt, uh, I had a very radical uh, conversion. It was overnight. I was suicidal. I was not in a good place. I was very, very dark place. And a friend Mm. at a party 
it was the love of God. He had just gotten saved and he's at this party telling everybody about Jesus. And I just happened to be there and I believed him. And Mm. the next day I woke up, Greg, and it was like, I remember sitting up in bed and it was like, I was, I woke up in a Disney movie. I mean, everything looked different. The the sun shone differently. I I felt like Mm. the person who was, I was yesterday, uh, was not the same person today. And I'm like, Oh, what is this? I like Mm -hmm. this, you know? And I, um, Food tasted different. Things smelled different. Colors looked different. I can't even explain it um, other than that. And the biggest thing, and here's the thing, is that uh, the biggest change that I experienced was this this insatiable hunger for more. I want to know the Bible. I want to know more, 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 more. Give me more of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, I remember turning on the TV and and just like trying to actually see, I didn't know anything about, you know, uh, maybe some sketchy TV preachers. I didn't know anything about that. I just wanted to know where are these people that can tell me more about Jesus. And uh, so you were you were in a very unique situation, though, from what uh, I could tell. Correct me if I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. That you didn't have a ramp up. You know, mm. you kind of heard the gospel, and all of a sudden, bada boom, you're there, yep. and it just give me total this. transformation. I, yes. Yeah. So it it does happen nowadays, but usually it's it takes a lot longer. Even fifty years ago, when for me, you know, it took me a couple of years of banging things back and forth and ignoring it for a while and pushing away from the table, asking questions, getting into arguments, and backing off, and finally coming back. So, uh, uh, how long ago was this that you became a Christian? I was sixteen. You said sixteen. Oh, I'm, yeah. I don't want to do math on your age right now, but yeah. I just want... And I, I'm <laughs> not going to say I'm... I'm that old, but my word, like technology has come a, a ways. Let's just say that YouTube wasn't around. All right, like there there were okay, still like encyclopedias so... on my shelf, you know. Uh-huh. And I I remember, and this is where it all that wrestling, that knocking around happened for me afterwards because I believed, uh-huh. but then I'm like, okay, but tell me more. I need, I want to know what this is and um, who this God is. I need to know more about Jesus, you know, and uh, this is important because I grew up in a new age household and I didn't know that. Um, I grew up in a household that was very open about spirituality, you know, like things like auras, manifesting spirits. Um, I remember being told fantastic spiritual stories growing up, you know, about, uh, spirits visiting family members and, uh, these, these things happening that seemed so fantastic to me, but mm-hmm. they were never looked at as bad things. It was always looked at as, oh, it must mean that you're more spiritual, right? So I grew up with this believing that, you know, Jesus was real and things like that, but it wasn't, it, it was very different when I became, when I converted. Like I, I, so I'm, I am curious about just that particular event of conversion, mm-hmm. what looked, I don't mean subjectively your your response to your conversion, but what was it that seemed different that you heard that changed your mind that resulted in your regeneration? I mean, to put it, the love something must God. have... It was the love. That's what was being communicated. Yes. So it huh. was by far exactly what I needed to hear. Um, mm. the, 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 the what and the why weren't put together though for me at that point. Right. So, uh, what he was explaining to me was this gospel that I had just never heard like that before he was talking mm-hmm. about, I remember what he said to me, he pointed to me and I remember just sitting there, I grabbed a bottle of strawberry boons wine and I'm sitting and I'm sulking on the couch and I'm hating myself. Like I'm in a, I'm in a place of self-loathing 
And Mm. because I had done something that wasn't very good, I've done lots of things, you know, at that point in my life that brought this upon myself. And I'm like, I'm a terrible person. And he's like, you're right, you are. But there's nothing that you've done that God won't forgive. That was just, I don't know why that blew my mind, Greg, but it did. Because the way, yeah, well, I mean, you, you, you grow up thinking that you're this that you are, ha- you have this like self divinity, right? And I never really bought into it. I never really understood it very much. I was fascinated. This with is it. what you're describing: the new age mindset. The yeah, so that was yeah. what was set up for me growing up, and then I mm-hmm. um, became a Christian, and I think I was really good to go for about six months. I went to an independent Baptist church, and um, you know there was a Calvary in my city. I, I think I was I was probably the happiest summer of my life was my year. Going into my senior year, I believe it was my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was turning 17. I was like, was you know. So long ago, right? It was right? so long ago. <laughs> I don't even remember. And um, here's what started happening is that I remember being very cerebral. And I did not understand at the time why everybody had such a problem with that. I, I did not understand, like, okay, well, do, doesn't everybody ask these questions? I, somebody hand me a King James Bible, and no, I love the King James, great, but I'm reading it as a 16-year-old in the 21st century, and I'm like, I don't know if I understand what wineskins mean. You're like, can somebody explain uh-huh. this to me? You know, and uh, you're reading this 2,000-year-old Jewish history book in, in a language that's, you know, uh, not exactly the most relatable, mm-hmm. and I, I naturally just had questions, and I remember asking uh, a friend so many times, like I, w- I would go to this one friend in particular and I would ask these questions. And I remember at one point he was like, you're making me stumble in my faith. Like I'm stumbling. Mm. You're ha- you're asking too many questions. And I just did not understand this. And then there was well, this sense. Well, it, it sounds like he was asking questions that he had no answers for. Yes. And so it's almost like now you're suggesting questions I should be thinking about that I have no answers for. And this is mm-hmm. creating doubt in my mind. And so now you're a troublemaker. Yes. Sound familiar? Yes, pretty much it. Like on the nail. Yeah. Nail on the yeah. head there. And it was a struggle because it's, again, we didn't have YouTube there. I didn't know what an apologist was. I didn't know anything about, uh, I think at that time that the, the two greatest apologists I think were known were maybe Josh McDowell and Lee Strobel. I didn't know who that was. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anything about that. Nobody even gave them as, uh, you know, resources. It was that whenever I came, at, especially as a woman, and I, I had a big gripe about that because it was almost like the, the church that I went to and the environment that I was in, it was like, that's not your job to ask those questions. And I was just not okay with that. And mm-hmm. what ended up happening was that I started having this disillusionment almost with church with with Christians. I'm like, you guys are not thinking. And there was something that just turned me off about that. There was an anti-intellectual strain that just turned me off. But what did have the answers was these books on my shelf that I grew up with. They they talked about, you know, hell. They talked about evil. They talked about the Bible and Jesus and the gospel. They used all the same Christian terminology. What's the difference? And they were wide open. It, it, you know, it's like, Greg, what it reminds me of is imagine that you're trying to go to a grocery store looking for like bread and milk, right? Like it's all you need. All you need, give me bread and milk. 
can somebody please provide me with bread, bread and milk? And every grocery store that you're going to, you're knocking on the door asking them like, hey, I see that you have bread and milk in there. Can you please let me in? They're like, no, we're closed. And then you mm. go to the, this one grocery store. It's wide open. They never close. And they're filled with bread and milk. And they come one, come mm. all. You know, and it's like a pleasure island type of grocery store where it's like, yeah, we'll take everyone. It doesn't matter, but we're providing so you what you're looking for. Yeah, the contrast there between the Christian church who doesn't give the answers or doesn't even want you to ask the questions yeah. and another group that says, hey, we love your questions and we've got our own answers and we've got a whole bunch of them and they're fun <laughs> too, right? Yes, yes, exactly. And it was, uh, I, I had so much respect for that because I thought that they were just smarter and more philosophical. Um, ultimately it's not very sustainable though, because the problem is, is that, you know, not to give it another example after just giving one, but I love this example, but you've, I'm sure you've watched Indiana Jones movies. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, I do recall. All right. Yes, I am. I think they're Um, great. I believe it's the Holy Grail, um, uh, Last Crusade. Yeah, the Last Crusade. There's the end of the movie, and he walks into this cave, and uh, Indiana. There's 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 all these like goblets, right? You know, and he's supposed to right. choose between all of them, which one's like the authentic one, and you have to actually discern. Like they're not all the same. You have to think, okay, well, that one's pretty. That one's pretty. That one's gorgeous. And you assume that they're all made the same, but no, like there's only one authentic goblet. And it's like you, you're tasked with figuring out out of all of these, which one is the true, the truth. And that's kind of what it is, is that, oh, well, they're all the same. No, they're not. Like they'll all kill, kill you, but one. And you're not told that. So I think that's kind of the allure of the new age is it doesn't matter what you believe. Um, but ultimately, it leaves you empty with ultimate answers because it relies on the vein of relativism. Like you can make mm-hmm. your own truth. And I didn't really, I don't know, I don't think I got a lot of sustenance out of that. Um, yeah. But I, I ultimately had a lot of questions about the Bible. And I think that's what um, what left me empty overall was I needed to know these things and nobody was there to wrestle with me with these things. I needed discipleship mm-hmm. is what I needed. Yeah, well, that, that reminds me, uh, one of the reasons this is, I think, timely for me to watch your piece and have you on board is because this season of reality, we're doing these um, conferences for middle schoolers and high schoolers, that's our target. We tell people, of course, we're not taking IDs at the door, so a lot of old-timers show up, which is fine, and youth leaders and parents and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, this year, we're focusing our theme on the whole idea of deconstruction and deconversion. And uh, one of the consistent problems that we've seen is that when Christians have questions about that weird book called the Bible, and it's weird in a lot of ways, especially if you're reading King James Version, because I heard one guy say, it was John Montgomery, actually, the, the theologian and apologist who said, John Warwick Montgomery, who said, I, I only use the King James Version with people who are 350 years old or older. <laughs> Everybody else, I, I use a more modern translation. But nevertheless, it, there's a lot of 
challenging things there. Mm-hmm. You mentioned two to four thousand years of time. There's you know you got translation issues, you got cultural issues. You got what the heck is this all about? And a whole bunch of the things that I deal with, and probably you do as well, are are people who have just just not looked carefully at the text, and and because of some of these challenging issues like time and culture and everything, they just misunderstand it, and then go off in a crazy direction. And uh, just by going kind of back to the text, never read a Bible verse idea, and then back to some of the uh, uh, sometimes background information that's required, then it begins to fall together in a great, beautiful uh, harmony. And you see this full, this story unfold, this magnificent story of reality, to coin a phrase there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, and so um, when kids, young people especially, have questions, and they go to their churches, and they say, what's up with this? What's up with that? And they don't get answers. They get shut down. Mm-hmm. They get uh, they get bullied in a certain sense, like, you're, you're causing me to stumble, doubt my own convictions. Then what do they do? Well, they, they start tuning in to people who said, yeah, I, I asked the same question. I didn't get an answer because there is no good answer, which is why I'm not a Christian anymore. And so now I'm going that away, and you can come with me. And this is what happens with a lot of people. So, yeah. or worse, they tell them what they want to hear. You know, mm. where there's an element where, if you are like, for example, I had I have a 12 year old, and one of the things that I'm having to kind of work through is when your child asks you a question. Like, how well do you really know it to explain it to a child? I mean, that's such a challenge. But one of the things that, uh, like, especially youth pastors, uh, she was saying that there was a time where uh, one of the kids was asking questions about homosexuality, and he hummed and hawed over it. Like, he didn't know how to answer it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you, this is something that you that they should know how to answer. Like, But you answer it honestly. So he gave this, like, really – empty answer, really, at the end of the day. And I was kind of disappointed in that, to be honest. And I think that he was just kind of saying, well, you know, I guess it depends on the situation on this and that. I'm like, it doesn't depend on the situation. It doesn't depend on these certain things. Like there has to be a solid answer to these things. And I think, I think there's, there's an element where a lot of Christians just want to feel their faith and they don't Mm -hmm. want to like understand and defend it. And Mm. there's, an aspect where I just, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I don't think that that's okay or correct. And for me in particular, it had a lot to do with the struggle of, of knowing what I believe and why I believe it because, and I mentioned this, I think in the video where it's like a comfort to us where we want to shut off our brains and not think about it. And I think that that's kind of something that we've, we've fallen too much into, like we've gotten too comfortable and one thing that I talk a lot about, as you mentioned, uh, I think before we got on air, is New Age in the church. But there's a there's another vein to that where we 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 want like a lot of experience with God, right? We want to feel God all the time. And mm-hmm. the, the problem with that, and I'm not saying emotions are bad. I think uh, emotions can be very they can be a blessing and they can be uh, good sources of of you know, certain truth, I suppose. But if that is your source of truth, you're going to be in trouble because mm-hmm. that's fickle and that changes. And well, whenever... the way, 
Yeah, keep going. No, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say that we have like a moment. Oh, no, it's fine. Later. (laughs) (laughs) You can cut me off whatever you need to. (laughs) What I was thinking of was that, uh, you know, because I've I've thought about this issue a lot Mm -hmm. and I tend to be a little bit more left brain. Me too. And um, (laughs) yeah, so there's a similar similarity there. But uh, but. I think the um, the balance is uh, emotions and feelings. They make life beautiful and delicious and all of that. But it's it is careful thinking about things, reason if you will, that make life safe. Mm-hmm. And so we, if what we are opting for is the emotional, mystical kind of thing that just we want to be overflowing with these emotions, and we opt for that, this this can get us into trouble. If we are not, if our if our emotions are not properly theologically informed, which is a huge thing that you emphasize in your uh, in 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 your your the work that you do, your ministry, and uh, um, that you know theologically grounded <laughs> ideas are like no duh, absolutely critical. Yeah. So um, you you uh, you also said something that was really sweet in the piece at towards the end of that that nine minute piece, and uh, if people wanted to find that, um, they can go to Melissa Doherty on the YouTube mm-hmm. to get. Then you have all your things, and I think I just scrolled sideways on those those uh, thumbnails, and I saw it fairly quickly. And I saw the thing is this is probably going to make you mad or something like that. Yeah. So that would be the way they find that right? on YouTube. Yeah, I think yeah, I just released it a few weeks ago. And yeah, I think what I thought people would be mad about is that it was other Christians, right? Like you know, it, if 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 there was one way to kind of like sum it up, and what I thought would make people mad, it was it was Christians. Like people that would not answer these questions kind of drove me into this other realm of thinking. And I'm like, so, hey, guys, kind of putting a stone in your shoe. Well, see, this is, yeah, so you're taking a poke at the church and and, uh, the church needs a poke now and again or a kick in the pants or whatever. And I think what's really significant here is it's you're saying your inability to answer my questions and your unwillingness to even try, mm-hmm. and even worse, make me feel bad mm-hmm. for asking the questions, mm-hmm. and I think I got all of those right, mm-hmm. that's what made me vulnerable to the false spiritual world of the New Age. Mm-hmm. But, and uh, and and then when you embrace that, and they're all totally accepting, I and mean, this is part of the problem, they accept everybody and everything because, you know, the oneness issue is really critical, no division, no judgment, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds really appealing at first. But like you said, I think the way you put it just now and also in your video, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about what you mean by that whole New Age movement theology Though it's attractive in a lot of ways, and it appeals to the emotions, the mystical side, etc., mm-hmm. it's not sustainable. Tell us what you meant by that. Yeah. So, I mean, you think that you're just this wiser, higher spiritual Christian. Like, that's really the best way that I try to describe it. That's usually the way that I describe it, is mm-hmm. that um, if you were having things happen to you and, and, and uh, you know, you were having these experiences— this was God's way of saying that you were on the right path. And that mm-hmm. was, the Bible was looked at as like a mystical manual, so to speak, but it wasn't just the only thing that had truth. But here's the problem is that the, even though I, I ventured into that, and it's more new thought than new age, uh, which 
can be kind of hashed out on its own. But ultimately, the core of the belief is that you're divine. And a lot of people have struggle thinking, okay, well, Melissa, how could you call yourself a Christian and believe that? I'm like, I didn't know it wasn't Christian. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the point is that you have these teachers that twist. You don't know they're twisting, though. They're, They're quoting scripture. They're talking about Jesus. They're saying this is the gospel. And it sounds so good. But mm-hmm. if the only thing that you have to rely on is your three pound brain, right, that that's your source of truth, that is your your way of describing reality, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble when it comes to sustainability of what's true. So what ends up happening is you crave something even more objective to explain, you know, why things are the way they are. And for me, ultimately, it was something that I was looking for after I had my first child. And of all, lo and behold, this is the weirdest thing. You know, God is truly does have a sense of humor. It was Jehovah's Witnesses that came to my door. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I was in this realm of searching again where I'm like, well, I kind of still have questions about this. I don't quite understand. I've gotten answers about the Bible, but I, I don't know, kind of don't believe they were, it was given to us by aliens and, you know, all these mm-hmm. crazy new age things that came up. And I was still looking for that. And two nice Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door. And the internet was 10 years advanced from when I was uh, 16, uh, more advanced, I should say. And uh, about our third visit, I thought a lot of what they believed was a rumor. And it wasn't. And when I discovered, oh, wow, that's what you actually believe, I started researching their religion and Mm -hmm. simultaneously discovering, oh, if they're wrong and because of what the Bible says, then I'm wrong because of what the Bible says. <laughs> and yeah, yeah it, this, the this light went on. Yes. And what it was, what really did it was uh, when I read something online about the serpent's lie and I discovered, oh my word, that's what I believed, you know, the serpent's lie believing and I could be like God. And it unraveled from there. It was absolutely, okay, give it to me. Like, I need to know what I've gotten myself Mm. into. I didn't realize. And the first thing I uh, started to really research is the Bible. I needed to trust that. And at that point, I had discovered, oh, there's this thing called apologetics. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really when I started getting into a lot of my, you. I got into your stuff. I got into, oh, man, uh, a lot of counter cult ministries. And the first thing I really started learning in about was uh, cults. And ironically, mm-hmm. it was really strange. Learning about cults really helps me understand why and how people can turn off their brain to certain things. Mm. And it helps me see that a lot of it is fear, but they also want to stay true to their tribe. Mm-hmm. And this That's us right. versus, yeah, it's very strange because this is before oh, even, I, I don't know, I think Facebook was a thing back then. But I, I remember getting a smartphone, Greg. I remember getting a smartphone when my, we think that these are just, you know, they've been around forever. They really haven't. I remember touching the screen and I'm like, oh my word. This is science fiction. And I thought it was like a magic wand. Yes. You know, it's not a phone. It's like a magic wand. It does so much. You're right. Science yes. fiction. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this This is a computer on a screen. And then you have access to the world and the internet and mm-hmm. social media. And what's this gram of Insta? What is this about? You know, and mm-hmm. all this stuff that you now have access to. And I see online this, again, anti-intellectual thread. And I don't get it. 
I think it's really, really yeah. odd that even this yeah. conversation, if somebody were to listen to it, would it's almost like you have to make a case for making a case for what you believe in. Mm. And mm-hmm. I just don't understand that. I think that yeah. whenever it comes to when you're told not to think, when you're told just to stay in your, your lane, like intellectually, stay in your little tribe or your echo chamber, you are being kind of you're in, in my head, it's closer to what a cult would teach. Not that I'm saying that everybody's, you know, in a cult or anything. I'm saying that that's a mentality that I don't want to be a part of. I think that it's good uh, to to entertain certain thoughts within and, and certain arguments in in the pursuit of truth. Because if you have right. truth, it's going to stand on its own. In other words, don't don't be afraid of the challenges or the questions because um, the truth will out one way or another. And mm-hmm. That's what we want to know. I want to go back to something you said earlier. Sure. Uh, Francis Schaeffer used to call it semantic mysticism, and mm-hmm. what he meant there is how different religious groups are using the same religious words in different ways. So you get this dramatically with uh, LDS, for example, our Mormon friends, and they they talk about Christ and Jesus and heaven and and God, and but they have all different definitions of that. But because of um, we're, we become vulnerable to that um, with even groups like the New Age movement, and I talk about this in the story of reality, and I use the illustration of the puzzle pieces, you know, making the big picture, you know, and sometimes we get pieces from other puzzles mixed in. And so we've got this kind of Eastern mystical New Age thing, pieces, but some of those pieces look the same. They have the same names, and so... You read about in those works like Jesus and being one with God and and uh, um, the 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 kingdom of God is within you and you see the these citations yes. all mm-hmm. over the place in the Bible but um, and then and this is part of what you talked about um, actually in another piece I watched and that are what are some of the major uh, New Age teachings in the church. You talk about five of them, but you touched on this issues too. Is there's there is such shallow understanding of these the meanings of these words when they are used by a false religion? Mm-hmm. We think that that's actually our story, and it's not an entirely different story. You know, it's really interesting and funny that you use that uh, th- that analogy. I mean, you're the one who originated with it, but that is exactly how I explain it because I got it from your book. <laughs> Oh, okay. um, yeah, it's, um, it's so interesting. You don't even like watch my stuff or, or watch a lot of YouTube videos, but, uh, I like that analogy. Occasional so much. fishing video and woodworking video. That's yeah, <laughs> exactly. No. And I liked it so much that I even kind of used a, like a mosaic for my, um, uh, I think for my background, you can't see it right now, uh-huh. but there's like a, uh, for the style of my channel, because I'm like, oh, it's like a puzzle piece. Like you're trying to figure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I kind of wanted to tell you that, that that played a part. Well, and, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the mysticism part, um, I believe that there is actually a book. It's not by Francis Schaeffer, but it is. I think I even have a quote by Francis Schaeffer about mysticism. I don't know where it is on this paper because I have it written up with the top five New Age teachings. But yes, the the element of when you're reading a teacher and they're talking about Jesus and they're talking about the gospel and they're talking about all these things that sound the same. It is our job to kind of decipher, okay, well, what are they talking about? Um, and I, I can't remember who it was I was listening to this week, uh, but it, they were saying that it's really, really important to know uh, the real thing 
Mm-hmm. That you have to know exactly what the Bible teaches, but it's also really important to understand what the counterfeit is. Actually, I think that was Eric Johnson. Um, we were talking about him before we got on about uh, he's an expert in uh, uh, apologetics and, and witnessing to Mormons. And former LDS, right? Yeah. No, I don't oh. think he's former LDS. I think he's, oh, okay. uh, yeah, he's just an expert in the field. Okay. It, he was on this show, but I wasn't yeah. interviewing. I think Robbie Lasher was doing the interview. Yeah. Right? I think that's a common thing yeah. he gets, though, is that people believe that he is former LDS. He, he's not, but he's, I would consider him an expert in it. Sure. And uh, he is somebody that I would think would know a great deal about this topic because Mormons say that they believe the same thing as, as we do. And uh, Sandra Tanner, she's someone else who's in that ministry who right. um, says if you ever have have yourself uh, agreeing with a Mormon, someone hasn't defined their terms. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, yeah, by the same way, same thing in the New Age. That that what's ironic about the circumstance uh-huh. that you just described is that's clear then that the that the Mormon doesn't understand his own view. Yeah. Because because I sometimes they want to be subsumed. They've, they've really positioned themselves in the last, um, I'd say, fifteen years, especially um, since you've had major uh, LDS personalities in politics, etc., as a subset of Christianity, which is exactly the opposite mm-hmm. of what Joseph Smith was was w- w- his project. You know, and his idea was all of you guys are wrong. This has all been a mess. None of these denominations are accurate, and this is why they had to rediscover, as it were, on, uh, according to their point of view, the the true gospel, mm-hmm. and that's what justifies their religion. So if if Joseph, I agree with Joseph Smith. There, it's a different religion. Mm-hmm. You know, now whether which one is accurate or true, um, that's another question, and this is what we have. Have to determine from the source material exactly. that is authoritative, and uh, I actually wrote a piece on this in our solid ground. Oh gosh, it must have been ten or twelve years ago, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even trying to determine which view is correct. That wasn't my my purpose. It was just to ask the question: Is it fair to say that LDS is a subset of the broader Christian belief? Uh-huh. And it turns out, since LDS deny everything that is foundational to historic Christianity, except for, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus' birth and um, I guess the, the, the resurrection maybe is one kin, point of kinship that Jesus wrote bodily from the grave, but almost every single, th- everything else is so completely different. It is a separate, it is an entirely separate religion. And uh, uh, anyway, so, but people who don't know this, I, I had people write to us at Stand to Reason, and they were so angry, or I read pieces on the internet. You narrow-minded people, you're dissing your brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, how dare you owe them an apology? And I realized, you know, this young lady in this particular case had no idea what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. She didn't know what Mormonism stood for. She didn't know what classical Christianity stood for. All she saw were the same religious words. Yes. You're exactly right. Uh, there's a running joke where you have to convert a Mormon to Mormonism first before you can get anywhere. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I hadn't heard that. That is yeah, interesting. Because, and it's so true because uh, whenever I got out of the New Age, I mean, I kept visiting with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And you find these online ministries that that's all they do. Like that's their lane. <laughs> They, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. They, they take them in. They, they, they answer questions that are designed – 
to cater to former Jehovah's Witnesses, people asking questions. And I, and then alongside that, it was almost like hand in hand, you had to learn about Mormonism too, because there's so many similarities in these two religions, not in their beliefs, but uh, people coming out of them. And uh, that was something that I, I learned is that there, it's very different experience talking to the, to both of the religions. And also how you have to kind of uh, set up the conversation to understand who you're talking to, you know? And I, I think that there's an element where whenever you are like, okay, so I think Jay Werner Wallace kind of puts this, one of my favorite books he's ever written is Forensic Faith. And this is what it talks mm -hmm. about. And I think this is why this is one of my favorite books that he's written is because he's talking about this, like the topic of everything that we're talking about is how to have a forensic faith. And one thing he says, and I'm paraphrasing, is that uh, anybody can say why they believe something. Um, you're going to have, you know, both people can say what they believe is true. Everybody's going to say that what they believe is true. But there's only going to be that person that has an evidence. Like they're, they're going to be persuasive when challenged. They're going to have some sort of evidential reason. Rationale. Rationale to believe mm -hmm. what they believe. And it doesn't matter what your feelings say after that. I mean, here's the evidence. Mm -hmm. And that's really, that's what spoke to me. Because I'm like, man, some days I wake up and I don't like the problem of evil. I wake up and I, I don't understand some things in the Bible. You know, I don't understand, um, like I was sick this weekend. I mean, I don't know if we all can hear it, but all I kept thinking about was, man, I have a comfortable bed. I have food in my fridge. I have things, like creature comforts while I'm sick. And I can't imagine somebody, you know, that that's maybe sick, they have nobody, they're suffering. All I could think about was that, as weird as that sounds, but that's where my mind goes because my brain never shuts off. But uh -huh. the evidence, you know what I mean? It's it's like right, right. there's this 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 little dance that I do almost all the time, and I'm sure you understand, uh, that at the end of the day, my feelings will always fail me. And it's more than just feelings. It's it's kind of going with uh what, uh, what you feel will make you feel better. And that was another allure into the new age was the problem right. of evil is how do right. you deal with that? Well, it's subjective. Oh, that makes me feel so good. Is it true? I don't know, uh, but that makes me feel good. And, yeah, um, in the moment or for a moment for, yeah, you know, and it, it, that was my, my answer was subjective reality and subjective. I mean, isn't people. there, Question though, isn't there some aspects of uh, it, it depends on who you talk to in New Age, but if if you are God, which is central to the whole New Age movement, in mm -hmm. some sense you are God, then you are the one who's responsible for whatever evil befalls you. Yeah, you're, yes. if you're making your reality, you have no one to blame but yourself. I mean, that's the price to pay for being God, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, so that, on the one hand. We're all God. You are God. And this sounds so great until if you think of it in a in a Hindu sense, that just means that you don't even exist, that God is all that exists, and you're just God's imagination, so to speak, Maya, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not very uplifting. Well, but then if you take it the other side, I am really God. I'm the divine essence. I am making decisions, creating my own reality, well, then whatever reality you're in is what you made. So you kind of get hit from the other side, right? Yeah, I think you kind of put that better than I could have. It's there's this, um, there's this paradox, this this strange problem that New Agers have. And this is why um, 
when it comes to critical thinking, there's a limit. And I'm sorry if you can hear the neighbor's dog barking, just FYI. Oh. Um, yeah, there's there's this limit. <laughs> that to... wasn't your stomach growling or anything. Yeah. No, okay, actually. No, thank you for the clarification. I, I, I am a Greek girl, girl, though. So, I mean, I'm always hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, <laughs> but no, you're exactly right. Like you, you, you pinned it up. There's this uh, problem. And, you know, people think, oh, it's like, oh, you're God. But I mean, if you're going to get real technical, it's panentheism, which is a lot of what New Agers believe in, which is different from, than pantheism. Uh, mm-hmm. Pantheistic God is all is God. Panentheism is more like what Richard Rohr believes, which is you be- you become what it is in this sense, what Jesus was. You become uh, divine like he was. Therefore, you can do the things he did and have the mind of God. And then you can... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, bring yourself to that godlike status, that enlightenment, if you will. Hmm. But you're exactly right because you still have the problem of, okay, well, what do you do about evil then? Like you're still dealing with this problem of things coming into your reality that ultimately is your fault. And you have to kind of think about that and wonder if you are in control of that, that's not a good thing. If you're your own sovereign, there's a limit to what you can not take credit for. And uh, I, I don't think people think about it that far. Mm-hmm. I, I think that yeah. there's an element there where um, it's not a good thing to be God. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't my field. You do the deep dive, but that's kind of how I characterize it a little bit in a, a chapter in the story of reality, because this is an alternate story. Um, if you have, in our story, you have mind and matter, you have immaterial world and a material world, mm-hmm. you have God, immaterial, making the rest of the world that includes immaterial things. Well, we, we got both. Then you got the materialist, the atheist, that says there's only one thing, and it's all matter, and then you have the the kind of Eastern religion style, it's only one thing and it's all mind. And uh, New Age kind of falls loosely in that second category, it seems to me, but with its own nuances and everything else. So you, you in another piece I watched that I made reference to a few moments ago, what are some of the major New Age teachings that you find in the church? Uh, you mentioned five things. I'm looking at my clock. We got uh, like 11 minutes or 12 minutes. Can you <laughs> I'll go over very my briefly, because yeah. I, I know that you do entire presentations on, on these things. And one thing I appreciated in a footnote that you added to that particular piece is you're saying, look, at I, I'm not trying to refute all of these things on my, I'm just telling you what these things are. I've spent more time doing that in longer pieces about mm-hmm. these different characteristic things we find in a church, which by the way, I thought it was, uh, I, I liked that. Um, um, because you're acknowledging, I I am doing this and I'm not doing that. And if you think that me just complaining about these things is a refutation of those things, I know the difference. So that was, a, I thought that was very insightful. Thank Could you. you touch on some of those things that uh, you see in the church that are uh, problematic? And by the way, you did... You did do this number with Bethel. I know I'm talking about you, Bethel, and you said I'm watching you, kind of I thing. Am. Yeah, that I am was, still watching. So them. I think this uh, whole so a book that you would like, Greg, is uh, Holly Pivik and Doug. I don't know how to say his last name. Guyvet. Yes. Uh, okay. I had yeah. lunch with Doug Guyvet about two days ago. Oh actually. goodness! Oh man, are we like? <laughs> but this is that ETS. But have, no, like, they the and they have grade. actually. We, we had them on for their first book, and their new oh, book good. is just out, and yes. it's doing well. And uh, they're scheduled for an interview. I think Doug will be doing the interview. Then that's half yeah, so, for me. I think yeah. that you then you already already know what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah, because well, they have this done is a lot the of work on n- that. 
New Apostolic Reformation. Yes. Bethel is a big church in Northern California that is a kind of the uh, mecca for that mm-hmm. kind of thinking, and it's a it's a very diverse set of um, religious views that allows a lot of them to say to dodge criticism. Well, that's not my view; that's his view, kind of thing. But it, there is a, a body of similar beliefs. I think it's a confused Christology, mm-hmm. uh, not Christology, but ecclesiology. You know, mm, a yes. confused understanding of what the church is and how and it an functions. over-realized eschatology. All a lot of it hinges oh, on their eschatology. Yeah. It's, so instead of going into NAR, we'll talk about the um, – because we'll do that later. But there is a kinship between these, mm-hmm. and that was yes. why you made that comment. Yes, and they have a whole um, chapter in, the in their book about it. I just got done with it. And um, I'll, I'll probably say the two that I think are the most prevalent right now that I think people would uh, recognize the most. Uh, and first one is the law of attraction, mm-hmm. which I have a whole video about the word of faith movement, which is the prosperity gospel and the law of attraction right. and the similarities. And it is uncanny. I didn't hear any... I heard these teachings in the New Age on a pulpit before I even knew, like, well, no, it was before I even understood that there that it, that it was a New Age concept, in other words, right? right? You heard I, it in the church first. I heard it from people... I'm just going to name names, just going to be real, uh, like Joel Osteen. <laughs> Um, and I'm just, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even Your like best saying, life now. yeah, I'm not even saying anything. Which by the way, my reflection on that is he's right. It is, this life is going, is his best life <laughs> because it's all downhill after this one, right? You yeah. Know, you know, but, it's uh, kind of that's, a, that's just the a, dark a reflection, blanket. but it's true. It's just a fact. I, that is just something I used to listen to him all the time in the new way. I didn't know, mm. um, that I thought he was teaching law of attraction. I, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is great. Like, you're having, like, this mix of Christianity. This this guy gets it. Explain to our listeners what that is okay. if they don't know it by that term. Law of attraction was probably the number one thing that I was into in the New Age, and I was trying to attract a spirit guide, I remember, which I had a very terribly hard time doing, which I uh, think I understand why. Uh, that w- I'm so glad that never happened. But the law of attraction basically is supposedly a universal law that uh, – like energy attracts like energy. So if everything's energetic and vibration, what vibration and energy I am is what the universe will bring back to me, um, so to speak. And there's a lot more to say about it, but it has a lot to do with your words. And I want you to think about like the word of faith, prosperity, teaching about uh, proclamation, uh, which is literally whatever you speak and the confession confessing yes. these things. I don't exactly. mean confessing of sin. It's You're exactly confessing right. what you want. Yeah. Yes. Confession, proclamation. It's you are telling God what you want to come into your life. And and what's uncanny to me and what I thought was so interesting is they use Matthew 7 7 as like the formula, Greg, for the law of attraction. And prosperity preachers use the same thing. And mm. I, I I have a bread. What trail. is that passage? What's that? Oh ask tell us what it says. It's ask, ask, believe, and receive, basically. Oh, yeah. If you ask right. and you, you don't have any doubts, you ha- ask with all your heart and you believe with all your heart, then you must receive what it is that you are asking for. And a lot of it has to do with your speaking and not doubting your faith. And so, so if, if you, for example, you don't receive healing, yeah, exactly. That's I was just going to say that. Yes, exactly. Okay, sorry. You ultimately mm-hmm. have nobody will ever say that, like to your face. 
But ultimately, that is the implication that you are stuck with is that it is your responsibility to bring that healing based on your faith. And if you don't have enough faith, then you there's something wrong with the person that prayed with, for you, or there's something wrong with you and your faith. And the law of attraction works very similarly. If anybody's listening has been anywhere, like even slightly exposed to the law of attraction, you will see the parallels in uh, word of faith churches. And the second one that really... Uh, Wait, before I, you go to the second sure, one, sure, let yeah. me just jump. I want to jump in with a question. We still got six minutes, so we'll sure, give sure. you a chance on the second one. Sure, but sure. I'm just wondering, you mentioned some very obvious word faith people in a lot of We've got a lot of names others can think of mm-hmm. in this clearly non-biblical thing. I'm wondering, though, how much or in what ways that you've seen that that concept has kind of snuck into evangelicalism Ugh. and otherwise well-meaning and um, and otherwise sound teachers. You don't have to name names at this particular point, but are there some habits or ways that we talk about it that really reflect more of that idea than a biblical view? I yeah. mean, does this influence how we understand how God answers our prayers? Or um, I'm just wondering about kind of that application. Yeah, I would have to say. Or maybe you that, haven't thought about that. I don't know. You no, know, I have. Uh, what I'm thinking of is how to say it. Uh, <laughs> the Okay, so another element where I kind of go into more detail about this is like a, what I would call like a megachurch culture. And I want to be really mm-hmm. careful about this because I think that there's wonderful megachurches out there. I think that there yeah. are. Uh, bigger churches that have a clear gospel. I think they have great discipleship. Um, and I think that, uh, the, 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 the pastors are great and everything that they are exegetically teaching from the pulpit is good. What I'm talking about is this mega church culture of, um, not necessarily like a name it and claim it, because that would be more prosperity gospel oriented. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a culture of positivity, of don't think negative of like a, uh, what is it called? Like a Jesus calling type devotional ish Mm -hmm. where, um, I believe it's Elizabeth Urbaniewicz has a, uh, in her curriculum, she has a triangle for the kids to look at and it's hands, heart. Uh, what is it? Hands, heart, and head. Right. And she's like, Mm -hmm. you got to have an equal element of all three of these things. But, uh, what I'm explaining to my kids is that there's a lot of heart and there's a lot of hands, but they don't have a lot of head. And, Mm -hmm. I think in that aspect, what we do and what we tend to do is focus only on those verses that speak positive things, because whenever you speak positive things, those things will manifest in your life. This is the kind of attitude God wants you to have. And then what ends up happening is that you become sympathetic to these teachings that are more new age in in, uh, origin than they are biblical. Mm -hmm. And you have teachers who call themselves Christians, like Let's say you have Brene Brown, you have uh, Glennon Doyle, you have progressives who teeter that line, which I call progressive Christianity, the stepsister of new age, because they're very intertwined and you don't know the difference. So in that way, you have this uh, new age progressivism, so to speak, that is in Mm -hmm. every church. And it's I call it like a megachurch culture because the uh, goal in a lot of of bigger churches is numbers and not necessarily discipleship. Right, and I think right, that right. I think it's that consumer that, driven, yes, than truth driven, yeah. And they even have uh, a looking, marketing way to do it. So I, that's yeah. where I'd have gripes. <laughs> so I, I pulled you off your topic. You're going to give me. You're really excited about number two. Thanks for that <laughs> answering my question. But we got like a minute and a half now. Do you want to just say your number two one that you're really concerned about? Mysticism. 
And I mm-hmm. need to be really clear about mysticism because I think uh, mysticism can be misconstrued and misunderstood as something that's always bad. It's not. I think Christian mystics are people that just simply believe in supernatural. Like the word can mean different things. So I need to define that term. Right, but right. what I mean, and, and I have a whole video on this, if people want to check it out, is uh, a lust for the supernatural. All they want is experience with God. And this is my gripe with Mm -hmm. Bethel, is that if you're not having constant experiences and feelings with God, then you're not as spiritual. And so that's like the 32nd, you know, uh, (laughs) little, yeah, the summary of that. I I share that concern we talk a lot about, and I think this falls into this category about hearing the voice of God and and, uh, just whole motifs of decision-making where God is dropping little hints here and there, and that's that supernatural thing that's happening just for me, and therefore there's a a sense of intimacy this creates and a a sense of closeness to God and realness and personableness with God. But uh, unless these things are clearly... um, evidenced in Scripture as appropriate for uh, standard Christian living, well, then we're talking about something that's that's just not biblical. I, I, f- I feel like we could go for a whole nother hour, Melissa. I We only went for so an much. hour? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. And uh, if you want to go to our YouTube, it's Melissa Doherty, D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y, the Greek girl, who knows a few things that will help you, especially in New Age, but all the things that, just what I've seen so far, has been stuff had broader application. Know Your Bibles was the ending of that uh, that yeah. session that you had. The remedy. And, and, uh, I, the remedy, very simple. Just get it right, and you won't be taken down this primno, primrose path. Uh, thank you so much, Melissa. Look forward to our next chat. Yeah, it was an honor, Greg. On thank my, you. On my show or yours. Yeah, ditto. (laughs) All right, friends, that's it for our show. There's our music. And uh, Greg Kokel here for Stand to Reason. You give them heaven. All right? Bye-bye now.